16. We're going to read uh, verses 1 through 5, 29 through 31, and 39 through 40. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mystery in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. For a revelation is made by another sitting there. Let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. So my brethren, earnestly desire to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Father, we thank you for this beautiful, beautiful day that you've blessed us with. Father, we thank you for this time that you've blessed us with. Father, we thank you so much uh, for the encouraging worship this morning. Father, we just thank you so much uh, for the foster parents, the adoptive parents. Um, Father, it's just a, a, a blessing and a gift from you. Father, I just pray that you continue to bless those families, uh, bless the parents, bless their children. Father, we just pray that you be with our teachers this morning. Father, be with them. Uh, give them the encouragement. Uh, give them the power to uh, direct these children. Uh, Father, we ask that you be with Josh today as he speaks. Uh, Father, let his words that he speaks be your words. Father, we thank you for this beautiful, beautiful, sun-filled day that we have today, Father. We thank you for this building that you have blessed us with. Father, we pray that you be with those in our congregation that are not with us today. Uh, Father, if they're sick, we just ask that your healing hand be laid upon them. Bring them back to a normal state of health. Father, if we've got members of our congregation that are traveling, Father, we just ask for that hedge of protection around each and every one of them. Father, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his only name that we pray. Amen. Good morning. I, uh, man, I hope that you guys, that we all realize how incredibly blessed we are to have the kind of worship we have here. I mean, it is just out of this world, and um, I mean, it really is out of this world. It's like from heaven, right? And uh, that's the way it should be, but uh, we are incredibly blessed, and we just, uh, I, I encourage you to let Luke or Alyssa or Stacy or some of the other worship members up here know just how blessed we are, if you, if you get a chance to have them um, lead us in worship here on Sunday mornings. We're... Uh, doing a series on the Holy Spirit, and we're, we've turned the corner, and we're on the second half for sure. We have a few weeks left after this week. I just want to remind you real quick, um, 
November 24th, which is three weeks from today, we will be doing a Sunday where, where we'll just be uh, fielding questions, not live questions. I'm not saying we, uh, well, I don't think we'll do that, but um, questions that you may, that you submit beforehand. Um, so this week, next week, the following week, if there are any questions uh, regarding the series that we've done in the Holy Spirit, uh, we want to field those questions, talk about those things on November 24th. This week, we're talking about prophecy, and next week, we're talking about the gift of tongues. Last week, Reed um, spoke on just the gifts of the Holy Spirit in general and, and discussed and compared, con- contrasted the continuationist view and the cessationist view. Cessationist means a cessationist is someone who believes that, that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased um, ever since the apostolic era. So when the, when the scriptures were closed, the canon of scripture was complete, the gifts were done away with. The continuation, continuationist view is that they are still uh, continuing today and have been ever since the New Testament. And so I'm presupposing, I'm not going to cover any of that this week, okay? I'm presupposing the continuation view this week. Listen to this quote I, I got in an email this week from a guy named Charles Hodge. He was a theologian many years ago. He says, The church is a habitation of God through the Spirit. It is his temple in which he dwells and which is pervaded in all its parts by his presence. This is the climax, to be filled with God, to be pervaded by his presence and controlled by him is to attain the summit of all created excellence, blessedness, and glory. Just that first statement again, the church is the habitation of God through the Spirit. Think about that for a moment. That, that is where God is taking the church. That is where God is taking us. He's, he's, he's building us and he's, he's, he's molding us together and he's making us this habitation. And we are one now, but he's building us up so that we may better and more fully host his presence, you might say, or that he might habitate or dwell here more fully. What an amazing thing. To think that here in this place, a room full of just people, ordinary people, but people made in the image of God, that have God dwelling in them, God the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, that we are a habitation for God, that God is in the midst of us dwelling here. And one of the, one of the, one of the big reasons why the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we need, to give, we need to give a place of prominence to them, not the place of prominence, but a place of prominence, is because... The gifts of the Holy Spirit are called, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, manifestations of the Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit is moving and people are using their gifts, whether it's encouragement or gifts of healing or gift of prophecy, which we're going to talk about today, what's happening? The Holy Spirit is being manifest among us. God is dwelling among us. God is here. He's actively working. So this morning we're going to discuss the gift of prophecy. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1 gives us the main point I want to focus on. So let's read that again. Pursue love, Paul says, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So here's the big idea I want to get across to us today. I'm going to say this over and over again. I might say a little different from time to time, but essentially this is what I want to say. You, Christian, all of you, be white hot for spiritual gifts. 
especially the gift of prophecy, in order that the church may be built up. Okay? Who am I talking to? Christians, young and old, men and women, poor and rich, wherever you are, whoever you are, I'm talking to you today. So right here in this auditorium, be white hot for spiritual gifts, and especially the gift of prophecy, so that the church may be built up, so that the church may be strengthened and edified. And I want to encourage you this morning, and throughout my talk this morning, I want to give you examples of how God is doing this among us. I want to encourage you, this is happening right here among this local community of people. It's happening in other churches too, I understand that. But right here, God is doing this, and he's doing it to great effect. So I want to share examples throughout my talk this morning of things that have been shared with me. Words of prophecies, words, prophetic words. And I know that these words are not unique to me, right? They're happening to others as well. But I want to share them to encourage you. I want you to be encouraged. I don't want to just give you information this morning that this gift is for today and you should want to do it and then give you some practical ways and how you can grow in this. But I also want to encourage you that this is happening and it can actually happen in your life. You can actually be used to speak a word of prophecy to someone else. So my big idea... Be white hot for spiritual gifts, especially prophecy, in order that the church may be built up. You think you can remember that? I'm going to say it about 10 more times in the next 30 minutes, so I think you'll get it by the time we're done here this morning. But notice that this is a command. It's a command. Be white hot for spiritual gifts. It's not a suggestion. And Paul doesn't suggest to us that maybe you ought to think about uh, trying to work yourself up to want spiritual gifts. He says, earnestly desire. Or I would say, literally, that means to be white hot, to be, to be so fiery and zealous for spiritual gifts, to earnestly desire them. So it's a command. It's not a suggestion. Notice also it's a command to passionately pursue the gifts. It's not, it's not a command just to passively let something happen if it happens. It's a command to go after them. To earnestly desire not only means to, to, to long for with great zeal, but also it also has with it the idea of pursuing. And notice that of all the gifts, prophecy is the one that we should desire most. Prophecy is the one, the, the one gift of all the gifts that Paul goes through in 1 Corinthians 12, and I'd also say it's a similar list in Romans 12. This is the one gift that we should desire most. Of any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, desire this one most. Paul says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So what I want to do here in the next bit is I want to pose four questions and seek to answer them in order to, suppo- to support my main statement, which the main statement is this. Again, be white hot for spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Every Christian here, I'm talking to you, in order that the church may be strengthened and built up. Okay? So, the first question I want to ask and then seek to answer is, what is the gift of prophecy? What is the gift of prophecy? <clears throat> The gift of prophecy, first and foremost, is not mainly foretelling the future. 
And it's also not new revelation on par authoritatively with the scriptures. Okay? We're not getting new information that's going to lead us to something beyond what the Bible says. Christians have historically believed that the 66 books of the Bible are our final authority for what we're to believe and how we're to obey God. So what is the gift of prophecy? Well, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 30, Paul says this. He says, If a revelation is made to another sitting there, so, so the prophets, a prophet stands up and shares something, and a revelation comes to somebody else. And I think this gives us a hint and a clue as to what prophecy is. A prophetic word, here's how I would put it, and I've gotten this with the help of others, but I've put this statement together. A prophetic word is a spontaneous revelation that God brings to mind that is spoken in human words. Spontaneous revelation, okay? So someone sitting in the audience, someone gets up and starts sharing a prophetic words, prophetic word, and it says that someone is sitting there and a revelation comes to them. Okay, so it just, it comes to them. God plops revelation, a thought into their mind, and then they are to speak it. Obviously in order, but they're to speak it. The Bible gives no indication that this must be done in some kind of ecstatic way. It may or may not, okay? So I think there's a stigma surrounding prophecy, and probably because it's probably been abused in some circles, by some people, that, that it has to be done in some ecstatic way that you have to be taken up to heaven or something like that in order to receive a prophecy. When it could just be a simple thought that comes into your head and you're like, I wonder where that came from. Maybe God wants me to share this with this person or with the church. So you, your eyelids don't have to flutter. You don't have to be shaking. Your body, body doesn't have to be trembling and shaking. You don't have to preface. And in fact, I would say you shouldn't preface it with, thus says the Lord. But a spontaneous revelation comes to mind and it's shared in human words. Last week, just to give you a couple examples, okay? Last week we were doing worship, like we always do on Sunday morning. And somebody walked up to me and um, just, I was was sitting there worshiping. I think I had my right hand up because I feel like this piece of paper is just put in my hand, okay? And this person walked away, and this person wrote down a piece of paper, something they felt like God had shared with them. And, of course, I know this person, so they would, they would always say, you know, use your wisdom, discretion, if this is to be shared with the body. But if you remember, if you were here last week, I got up at the end of worship, and I said, and I just, I read this piece of paper that was given to me by somebody else. I felt like it was very encouraging. It was, it was a word of encouragement and exhortation for us as a church. Recently, about a month ago, maybe it's two months ago now, uh, I had somebody shoot me a text one morning, and this person had an urgent dream, and I was in their dream. And they had just had a sense that something was going on, that something was, that something was, that I was under attack, or something that I was in trouble. In the dream, I was in trouble with them. Or, not in trouble with them. I was in trouble in the dream. And so they'd sent me a text. And just said, is everything okay? I just been praying for you this morning. I, hear, I just had this dream and felt like something was wrong. And well, it was deeply encouraging because the night before there was, I just was, was really experiencing just despair and discouragement and attacks from the enemy. And so it brought great encouragement to me. About a month ago, a person shared something with me after church. And this person was trembling as she shared this prophetic word with me. 
And so it can be something as simple as a piece of paper with something written on it. Or just the sense that this dream I had is urgent, so I'm going to share it with this person. Or it certainly can be something more, you might say, ecstatic, something more, you know, uh, sensational or something like that. So a prophetic word is from God, but it is communicated through human beings. Therefore, the, the New Testament is clear on this, that prophecies, words of prophecy, or prophetic words are to be sifted and evaluated. We're not supposed to just take it at, at face value without any discernment at all. Now, I'm not saying we should be skeptical. I'm not saying we should be, you know, mostly uh, look cross-eyed at people that say, I feel like God has said something to me. No, we shouldn't do that. But we should be discerning. We should be evaluative when someone shares something with us or with the entire church. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 29 says this. It says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. Now, could you imagine in the Old Testament if a prophet got up, say Isaiah or Jeremiah or Amos, and they said, thus says the Lord, and they proceeded to have a message from God. There is no evaluation going on. You do what they say. Or if they're a false prophet, they get stoned, right? They're not, they're not a true prophet, and they should be executed. So that's under the Old Testament system, but under the New Testament way of prophecy, this gift of prophecy, a prophecy comes, and believers are to weigh what's said, to sift through what is said. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 20-22, Paul says, don't quench the spirit, don't despise prophecies, you know, uh, hold on to what is good, and abstain from all evil. So it's, you know, hold on to what is good, and just get rid of what maybe isn't so good. You know, you ever heard of the, the idea of, you know, that when, when a speaker's speaking, uh, you need to be able to spit out the bones, right? You get the meat and you spit out the bones. Well, there's a sense where we do that with prophecies, where one person can get up and share a word, and part of it is really encouraging, and part of it just doesn't ring true. And so, as believers, this prophecy comes, this revelation from God that spontaneously comes to mind that is spoken, Maybe personally, or maybe, maybe somebody shares something in church, or I share something from somebody in church, and we're to weigh what is said, to receive what is good, and to uh, just let the other things slide off our backs. This is similar, in, in some ways, this is similar to the gift of teaching. When I get up and preach... My attempt, I mean, it come, hopefully, hopefully I'm preaching out of the infallible source. I'm not preaching out of a book that someone else wrote. I'm preaching out of the Bible. The Bible is our infallible source, right? The New Testament, the 66 books from Genesis to Revelation, this is infallible. It's an error and it's perfect. There's no error in it. But I am a fallible human being. So even though I seek to study and see what God has to say here, I seek to communicate it with the heart of God and under the anointing of the the spirit of truth. Uh, I still want to say to you, go home like Paul did to the Bereans. Go home and search this out, right? Well, in a similar way, the Holy Spirit gives revelation spontaneously to the mind of someone who receives a, a prophetic word. It comes from an infallible source, but it's communicated through a fallible person. 1 Corinthians 13, 
says wisely, we see through a glass dimly, and we do. We know in part, and we prophesy in part. So what is the gift of prophecy? It's a spontaneous revelation that God brings to mind that is spoken in human words. It's to be sifted, it's to be evaluated, it's to be, it's to be received what is good to our great benefit. And some of the things that maybe don't ring true with us, we're just to let slide off our backs. The second question I want to ask is, why is this gift so valuable? Paul says in 1 Corinthians, in, in, in verse 1 of chapter 14, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, long for spiritual gifts, be zealous for spiritual gifts, especially not tongues, not miracles, not gifts of healing. Those are all valuable, but especially that you may prophesy. Why is this gift so valuable in Paul's mind? And if we believe Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote this in God's mind. Well, I think it's valuable for this reason. It's a gift that first seems to be widely distributed. We're going to get to this a little bit later. Just widely distributed to lots of people. It's a gift, second, which, is, which manifests the presence of God, which that's not unique to the gift of prophecy, but it certainly does manifest the presence of God, right? All the gifts are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. When, when, the, when a gift is being used, we should be able, by faith, to say, God is here working among us. So it manifests the presence of the Holy Spirit. Number three, it does this through intelligible words. And I say, well, big deal. Think about this, though. God has given us this amazing gift to communicate. You may say, that sounds, that sounds so boring. But imagine your relationship with your closest friend or your spouse, and you couldn't communicate with them. Right? You might be able to sit and hold hands. You might smile, uh, might smile at each other. All right, your husband and wife, you might have to do the most intimate thing. You might have sexual relations, but you couldn't talk with them or write to them. Something huge is missing. Feelings are great, but feelings are ambiguous, aren't they? Right? We have feelings that God is near, and it's wonderful, but it's, it's overly subjective if that's what we live by, and it's ambiguous. But when we sense the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit through words, and he draws near to somebody, maybe you've had something shared with you before, or something that was shared up here, and it came to you, and it's like when it came to you, it came like it was right from God. It's exactly what you needed to hear. Has that ever happened to anyone here before? Maybe a verse was shared. Maybe something was shared in life group. Maybe the person that shared it didn't even know. It's not like they said, I have a prophetic word. But they just said, hey, this verse came to mind. I'm going to share it. And someone in the life group just said, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I need to hear tonight. I may not hear anything else tonight, but if I leave with that, I'm good, right? What is that? That's a prophetic word. So it comes, so it's, it, it, it's widely distributed. It's, it manifests the presence of God through intelligible words. Okay, the gift of tongues is we're speaking to God in unintelligible language. The gift of prophecy spoken to people in intelligible words they can understand and receive. And it brings great benefit to the church. The gift of tongues builds up oneself, which is not a bad thing, but the gift of prophecy seeks to turn outward and build up the church. Okay? So Paul says this is such a valuable gift. Long for spiritual gifts but especially the gift 
of prophecy. So therefore, be white hot for spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy so that the church may be built up. The third question I want to ask is, what is the result of prophecy? What is the result of a prophetic word or the gift of prophecy being used in a church? Well, verses 3 and 4, chapter 14 tell us. It says, on the other hand, the one who uh, prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one, who me, the one who speaks in tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you to all speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. So generally speaking, the gift of prophecy, the, the result of it is people are built up. People are st- strengthened. People are encouraged. And Paul says it, he uses three words to essentially say built up. He says upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. Upbuilding means, it means when a prophetic word comes, it promotes growth in those who hear. It's building them up. It's like a builder who's saying, I'm just going to, I'm going to build these guys up with this word. Or God's saying, I want to build these guys up through this word. So upbuilding is a prophetic word comes and it just promotes growth. Last week when the prophetic word came to us as a church, a person wrote it on a piece of paper, I felt like it was to promote growth. I felt like it was to build us up. Remember that word? Remember what it was? It was essentially God is raising us up to be an army, right? You guys remember that? As we sang that song, this person gave me this on a piece of paper, and God is raising us up to be an army. What's that doing? It's building us up. It's upbuilding. To encourage, or that, it, that brings encouragement. It means that a prophetic word comes that brings God near to the hearers or the hearers near to God. The word encouragement, the Greek word is paraklesis, which is very similar to the word that is used for the Holy Spirit, paraklete. The Holy Spirit is called the encourager or the comforter. And when a prophetic word comes, it's meant to bring encouragement or bring a sense that God is near, right? There was a time, it's been months ago now, maybe it's even been a year ago, I can't remember for sure. But uh, Luke and I went down to Bethel Mission like we always do. Jason may have been with us too, I can't remember. <clears throat> and um, I was praying for a guy afterwards. Seemed to be a genuine believer, but you know, I mean, he's, he's just in a tough spot and sharing some things with me. I can't even remember all of the things he was going through. It doesn't matter for this morning. But, um, and I said, just let me pray for you. And I started praying for him. And I didn't really think a whole lot of it, but I just felt like the Lord gave me some things to pray for him, and I, and I shared a thought with him too. And by the time I was done praying for him, his, he was just weeping. And he looked at me kind of with this dumbfounded look, and he said, how did you know all those things about me? I said, well, I really, I didn't. I just felt like just praying as the Lord led. And, but he was so encouraged in his moment of despair, and his, in his, you know, really just being in a, in a tough spot for a long time, it brought such encouragement, such hope to his heart to know that God had drawn near to him through my prayers. And so it brings uh, upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. Consolation means that when a prophetic word comes, it arouses or stimulates comfort to the hearer, probably someone who's hurting. 
First Corinthians 14 verses 24 and 25 also says that the result of prophecy can be evangelism. Let me just read this real quick. I think this is powerful. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare, God is really among you. In other words, someone comes in, a prophetic word is shared, it discloses the secrets of their heart, it exposes sin, their need for Christ. They fall on their face and say, God is here. Okay, God is here among this, these people. So, what should we be? We should be white hot for spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy, so that the church may be built up. The fourth question I want to address this morning is who can prophesy? Who can receive this gift? Who can operate with this gift, in this gift? All believers can. All believers. I mean, I guess I gave that away. At least I gave away my position on this at the very beginning, right? I said, every Christian here, young and old, men and women, poor and rich, right? Every believer can. Now, I'm not, I don't want to disagree with Paul who says, do all prophesy or are all prophets? No. The The Spirit will give as he wills, but there's no restrictions based on age or gender or socioeconomical situation, all may prophesy. Paul says in verses 29 to 31, he says this, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. Verse 31, check this out. For you may all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. This is also consistent with Joel chapter 2, the prophecy of the coming of the Holy Spirit that was, that was preached on. Peter preached on this, uh, this passage on the day of Pentecost. He got up and said, this is what was spoken by Joel. This is what God declared through the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will dream dreams. Your old men will see visions. Even on my female and male servants, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. So what? Sons and daughters, I mean, female, male and female, young and old, right? Young men, old men, fem- uh, servants. So male and female servants, poor and rich. All may prophesy. Now, some may ask, and I would want you to ask this, though we're not going to spend a whole lot of time um, looking at these verses specifically, But some may ask, what about verses 34 and 35 here in chapter 14? Here's what verses 34 and 35 say. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. What I want to do is I first want to take a look at a couple of other passages that seem to show that women actually did freely operate with the gift of prophecy in the New Testament. And then I want to come back and look at these verses. The first passage I want to look at is Acts chapter 21, verses 8 and 9. Acts chapter 21, verses 8 and 9. Very briefly, you can turn there if you want, or you don't have to, I'll read it. 
says this, on the next day, this is Luke writing, we departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Philip was this, you know, he was the man that went to Samaria after the church was scattered, and he settled in, uh, in Caesarea. He had four virgin daughters who never married, and they prophesied. The original Greek actually suggests that prophesying was a regular or continuing occurrence with these daughters. In fact, this, this sense that the, the Greek gives led Wayne Grudem to say that the text more literally says, to this man, Philip, were four daughters prophesying. So it gives the idea that Luke and Paul, because Paul was with him, and the others that were with him, went to Philip's home, and the daughters were prophesying while they were there. They were actively and freely using this gift in the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul speaks of women prophesying. Some have suggested, let me read this first. Uh, Chapter 11, verses 4 and 5, it says, uh, Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head, but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. I'm not going to talk about head coverings or anything like that. But um, some have suggested that, that the women were, uh, were being commended or being told that they should pray inaudibly. Um, or that they, they can pray. They weren't being told that, that they were doing this, that they were praying inaudibly. And some have also suggested that they were probably prophesying inaudibly. And there's nothing wrong with praying inaudibly. It's a wonderful way to pray. But prophecy isn't really prophecy if it's done inaudibly, right? The gift of tongues is between me and God. The gift of prophecy is between me and another person, right? So Paul seems to say, wives are prophesying and praying in the church. So what about verses 34 and 35? I'm not going to spend a lot, I'm not, I'm, I'm just going to give you what I think it means, and then um, you can ask me questions later if you want to. I think it's probably better understood that Paul is saying women should refrain from publicly evaluating prophecies. If you look at the more immediate context, says two, two or three prophets get up, one speaks, the others are evaluating. Maybe someone else gets up and has something to say and the first person sits down. And I think Paul is, is going there. He's saying that women should refrain from publicly evaluating prophecies. And it goes along with Paul's position, really, I mean, it's God's authority structure in the church that, um, uh, anyways, I'll, I'll, that's enough said, I think. So all, men and women, young and old, poor and rich, all Christians can prophesy. There are no restrictions depending on age, gender, or socioeconomical situation. So everyone here, men and women, young, okay, got some young people in here, be white hot for spiritual gifts. Every one of you, every single one of you, and especially the gift of prophecy, especially that you may prophesy so that the church may be strengthened and built up. I want to spend just a few moments here at the end. How can I or we as a church grow in this? 
I just have some extre- some extremely practical and a couple more abstract thoughts on this. And I want to encourage you to take this to heart. How can we, you might say, how can I personally and how can we as a church grow in this area? I think we'd be, I think, I think we are incredibly blessed through this gift. And I think our socks would be blown off if everyone here took this seriously and pursued and longed for and sought to use the gift of prophecy to build the church up. So how? Number one, pursue love. Pursue love. That's what Paul says first, right? Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So first, we need to pursue love, and love aims at building up the church. Love turns outward, and it's not about me, and it's not even about my gift of, it's not even about me having the gift of prophecy. Love turns outward and seeks to build up others. So pursue love, which seeks to build up the church. Obviously, we're, we're right in the context of 1 Corinthians 13. It's no mistake that 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 13 is sandwiched by, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 is sandwiched by chapter 13, which we oftentimes call the love chapter, right? So we should pursue love, which aims, it, it's, love's aim is always at building up. Number two, earnestly desire. Earnestly desire or seek after the gift of prophecy. I would say pray and ask God for it. Pray often and ask God for it. Add that to one of the things that you pray for yourself. I assume that we pr- you pray for yourself, right? You pray for your spouse, you pray for yourself, you pray for your family, you pray for the church. Add this to something you pray for, for yourself, for your spouse, for your friends, for the church, that God would give generously to many people the gift of prophecy and to you, and to you, that you would be granted this gift in order to build up the church. Now, this is just, this is just a conviction I have. I think since we are not commanded simply to prophesy, Paul doesn't just say prophesy. He says earnestly desire. I don't think we can just turn this on like a spigot. I think it's something we ask God for. I certainly think there are some who operate with this gift with great regularity, but I don't think it's something we just turn on whenever we feel like it. Like, hey, I think I'm going to prophesy to somebody today. I mean, I think we can say, hey, God, give me a word for someone. I want to encourage someone today and then go out in faith that he will. But we don't, just turn, we don't have the power to turn it on and off. It's the Holy Spirit who gives this gift and he gives it as he wills, but he gives it generously, right? So we should seek after it. Number three, fill your mind with the word of God. Fill your mind with the word of God. There is no incongruity between being someone who longs for spiritual gifts and being someone who loves God's word. Amen? Can we just agree on that? That we should be like, I love God's word. I mean, I just love this book. It's so life-giving. And God, I love your Holy Spirit. I want to be so used by your Spirit. I want, to be, I want to receive all the gifts you'll give me so I can be used powerfully to touch many lives and build up the church. There's no inconsistency there. So we should seek to be filled, to fill our minds with God's word. To be in God's word. I think that 
I think it's very, I think it, I think it safeguards us from just thinking that anything that comes to our mind might be from God. Just because we, we, we have parameters, right? We know this God that we want to speak on behalf of. And because he's shown us in his word who he is. He's like this and he's not like that. And so things come to mind. I'm like, you know, I understand there's times where you're like, Lord, I mean, what are you trying to show me here? Or are you trying to show me? But there are times it's like, that's not from God, right? And then there are other times like, that is so from the Lord. So we should seek to fill our minds with God's word. Number four, resist the temptation to despise prophecies. Resist the temptation to despise prophecies. You turn on Christian television and it, you, you can be disgusted by the ways that God is, God's name is being used. I, understand, I get it. But resist the temptation to despise tr- the true usage of spiritual gifts. God really does. I mean, just because we want to, I mean, I think, it's, I think to be used most powerfully, we want to do it the way that God has prescribed, right? We don't have to go outside the bounds of what God says. But because others, you may feel, are perverting these things or are careless or reckless even or even blasphemous, guard your heart that you would not despise prophecies because it quenches the Spirit. It quenches the Spirit's work in our own individual lives and it quenches the Spirit's work in us corporately. If you have despised prophecies, if you generally have a harsh, I mean harsh skepticism toward prophecies, repent. Seek God's forgiveness. I, when, I, when I see this in myself, and I do sometimes, when I see this in myself, I mean sometimes, what I, and I notice it, I mean I don't always notice it, but, and I notice it, I just say, Holy Spirit, forgive me for quenching you. Forgive me for grieving you. Number five, have times where you are still before the Lord in order to hear from him. And I have five kids. I understand it's hard sometimes to do this. But if it means turning, if it means less time in front of the television, if it means staying up a little bit later at night, if it means getting up a little little earlier in the morning, just have some time alone where there's not all the noise of clanging dishes and television and radio and, and, and work and everything that our days consist of, just to be quiet before God and listen to what he may have to say for us that we may share with somebody else, a prophetic word. Number six, if you have this gift or sense that God has given you something to share, seek to humbly use this gift in proportion to your faith. Step out in faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 6, I think it's verse 6, says, I mean, this is, a, this is a gift that's to be used in faith. Paul says, to him who prophesies in proportion to his faith. So it's something we, it's like, I feel like I have this, something to say. And so I, I want to go share it with this person because God's put this person on my mind. And so I'm going to share it with them. And I'm going to do this in faith that God's going to bless it. So seek to do it humbly and in faith. A great place to do this is in small groups. It's a wonderful place for this to happen. Um, we, we haven't been in a small group in our home for uh, the last few months, but we, we would often just, um, just give time where I would say, does anybody feel like they have something from the Lord to share a prophetic word, something that came to mind as we were worshiping or as we opened up in prayer? 
And oftentimes people did, and it was greatly encouraging. Our, our prayer meetings, uh, the, the second Sunday, or, excuse me, second Wednesday of every month, we sometimes do the same thing, and it's greatly encouraging. If you sense that there's something that's to be shared with the body, then I would encourage you to come and see. Um, I didn't talk to Reed about this beforehand, so come and see me, okay? Go see Reed, okay? Send him your emails. No, come and see me. Send me an email. Um, come and see me after church. Uh, come and talk to me. Um, I'll try to discern with you and also discern whether you or, or I should share it to the church, with the church. Number seven. This is more for receiving prophecies. Be discerning. Okay, we don't want to despise prophecy, but we want to be discerning. We want to evaluate. In light of scripture and a sense of the spirit, we want to be discerning and evaluate prophecies appropriately. We want to humbly receive everything that God may be saying to us through this word. I mean, I want to receive everything God may be saying to me. I mean, seriously, who doesn't, right? But there are some things, and there are some things I just say, Lord, I mean, I've had some people share things with me that just seem grandiose. I'm like, God, I want that to be true. Um, I submit that to you. And I'm just going to go through my life. And you, if you open doors, I'll walk through them. But, you know, I'm not basing my life off of them. But I'm humbly receiving them. You know, and saying, okay. So, what would a church like? What would our church like, look like if we all took this command seriously? And I, and I know that some are. And I'm not trying to be... Uh, harsh with those that may not be, but what would our church look like if we took this command seriously? Well, at the very least, every one of us would be going after God, right? We'd be connecting with God on a deeper level. But what would a, what would a church be like if many people, I mean, just many people around you and you yourself have this gift and are using it appropriately to build up the church? But some might say, and here's how I want to end, what do I do if this is something I don't even desire. I can't, I mean, we can't just, by our own willpower, turn off and on desires. But Paul's saying, earnestly desire. What do I do? And that's where I want to close this morning. I want to pray that we would have a desire. I'm sure that I'm speaking to some when I say, when, I, when I'm posing this question, right? This dialogue, I don't even desire that. I just feel like going home watching football. Or I just, I just can't wait for lunch. Or whatever else. Hey, listen, I can't wait for lunch too. But you know what I'm saying. I just don't even think about this. I don't desire to prophesy. I just come to church because it's the right thing to do. Well, amen that you're here at church. It is the right thing to do. But let's pray that God would change our desires, right? Let's pray that God would put a burning desire in us for spiritual gifts, for all of them, but especially put at the top there that we would prophesy. Let's pray. Father, that's where I want to end here this morning. And I just feel like it's, so, it's on your heart, God that you would put this burning desire in us. God, that you would cause our hearts to burn with this white-hot desire for spiritual gifts to manifest the presence of the Holy Spirit 
in, in many ways, but especially the gift of prophecy. So God, I just want to boil it down. God, I pray that you'd put a white hot burning desire in every person here to speak prophetic words, to prophesy. God, I pray that you would, some that may have walked in here and even listened to this whole message and are totally unmoved by this, that's okay. God, you can work. God, you can fill our hearts with desires as you choose, as you will. You can do it, God. For all of us here who believed in Jesus, we were dead in our sins and you made us alive. So God, you can take our hearts right where we are and you can fill us with desires that please you. So God, I just pray that you'd fill us with this desire, this white hot burning desire, God, to, for, for spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. God, for those that you, that you just have put this on them, they do desire it, God. I pray there's more even as I'm praying right now that are receiving this desire. But God, I pray that you would uh, spread this gift generously and liberally to many here. And God, I know that, I know there, there, are, there are several here I know of that you've used in this way and use regularly in this way. But God, I pray that you would just overflow and generously distribute this gift that, it, that, that people may speak prophetic words that would so encourage and build up and console, that would so manifest the presence and power of the Spirit so that this church, real life church, and the church at large in general, God, wherever you'd send us, God, we would be building up the church and manifesting who you are. You are good, God, and we thank you. Thank you, God, for this word. Thank you, God, for the gift of prophecy. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, Father, the precious promise of the Father, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of gifts. He is the gift of gifts, way better than the gift of prophecy. But we want the gift of prophecy too. So come, we pray. Holy Spirit, be honored. Be honored. Forgive us for ways that we've grieved you and quenched you. Uh, corporately, and come and be pleased to speak to us in powerful, prophetic ways. In Jesus' name, amen.